0: So, um, new section tonight. Sorry, just let me get my technology. A new section tonight in Revelation. Hopefully, this will work. Yes, there we go. All right. Uh, So, if you remember, Revelation chapter number one, verse 19, gives you the outline of the book of Revelation. If we, we looked at it, and it breaks it down into three parts. And really, that's what the book of Revelation is broken down into three parts. Part number one, that's the things which thou hast seen. That's Revelation chapter number one. Uh, part number two: the things which are. That's Revelation chapter two and, and chapter three. And now, as we've just read Revelation chapter four and verse one, where it said to John, "Who receives this, come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter." And this is really the rest of the book of Revelation, and it's a huge part of it. Yeah. So we, we've covered. That's going on the blank again. Yeah. I'll point at this one. Uh, <laughs> We've covered um, chapter 1, chapter 2 and 3, which are those first two sections. The things which they've seen, the things which are. And, and this whole, don't get too worried about this, but this whole uh, section, all the rest of the way through. There's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation and we're at chapter 4. We've looked at this two parts of, of the outline. Now we've got to look at the whole rest of the book. And this makes up the majority of it the things which will be here after and as a church we take a futurist position on the teaching of revelation that everything from this point on is yet future that's what we hold to here there are different views and we're not going to take the time to go over them again tonight we're dealing with with our view and as we get to this point um, this is the point where I want to talk about the rapture and the reason I want to talk about the rapture at this point is is because I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. Now, here's what I want to say, and this is honestly, I have no verse that, that categorically proves to you that the rapture of the church is a pre-tribulational event. I have to be honest about that. And that's fine to say that. That doesn't weaken my position. It doesn't make me scared of my position, but we have to be honest and say that there is no one verse that categorically says, but there is a compound argument, educated argument from the whole of scripture that points us to these points. And that's what we're going to have a look at uh, this evening. But it's wrong to come to maybe like a verse that we've just read and say, this is is the rapture. And we can say that maybe points to the rapture. But to hang a tribunational rapture view on this verse that we've read is a very, very weak argument, and and like with all things in Scripture, the Trinity is another one. You have to look at the whole council of Scripture and you build your educated argument on these things, and and you can say Scripture will clearly teach, like we talk as we've talked about the distinction between the Israel and the Church, and and you know if you just take one verse here or there. It's a hard argument to make that when you take a compound look at the whole word of God and see how God's word pieces together because it does piece together. God is a God of order and he has ordered his word. He's ordered his program. He's ordered this world. That's who our God is. So as we talk about the rapture, you know, as it's been told, here's the thing I want to say to you as well, that every believer, every born again believer believes in a rapture. Every single one. There's not one that doesn't. What they will disagree on is when it happens. But everybody believes that Christ comes for his people. Now, there's a confusion over who he's coming for and when he's coming for, but everybody believes that he comes again. We're going to look at our view uh, this evening and really have, have a think about it. So we should know this stuff. We should know that the rapture is, is from from the Greek word harpiazo. It means to be caught up or plucked. Uh, we looked at it, think, last week, didn't we? Seized by force. That's, that's the idea with the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, again, is, is a good passage to go to when we think about that, where it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to Gala harpezo. Plucked, snatched, took, seized by force. It's also translated as pluck in John 10. So John 10, 28 and 29 says this, And I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now that's talking about eternal security. But the point is this snatching, this plucking, this taking by force. Um, Matthew 11 verse 12 uses those very terms, take by force, and it's the same Greek word in there so Matthew eleven twelve says this and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force that by the way is one of the greatest verses that will help you deal with the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God because people want to say that in Matthew's gospel especially in Matthew 13 and we're going to talk about that a little bit this evening that they want to say that the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of God, are, are the same thing. In the context of Matthew, they're absolutely not the same thing. And, and, and if the kingdom of God is just a spiritual thing, how can the violent take it by force? They, they can't. It's a physical kingdom, and uh, Matthew 13 clearly deals with that. So, as we talk about the rapture, the timing of this is, is it can be controversial. Um, it can be divisive. It shouldn't be divisive. But unfortunately, like with most things in, in church theology, um, we can get into our little camps and, and, and you know make our make our stands and and we can get um, caught up in things maybe and go too far with it but that 's not to say that i don 't believe that there are positions that are worth fighting for and standing upon. there absolutely are and I, I really do believe that getting the rapture right um, certainly from the views that it 's a Uh, an event that happens before the tribulation or before the wrath of God depending where you sit in that is is helps you stay strong and straight in scripture the other views that certainly the post-tribulational view which is that Christ comes at the end of the tribulation I really really I think leads you down such a a terrible path scripturally Um, but we'll, we'll have a look at this so you know we want to know, when are the believing going to be leaving? That's what we want to have a look at when we think about uh, the rapture. And, you know, I, so I taught this at the start. Here are the, the three positions. There's another position, the fourth position, which is the pre-wrath position. There's more of a, a, a more popularized in the 80s onwards type of position. And, and really, I think it kind of sits between mid-tribulation and post-tribulation. I think it's probably more post-tribulational than it is pre-tribulational. But we can argue about that later. So we've got the pre-tribulational view. This is what we, we believe in as a church. And personally, I believe that the church will not be present when the tribulation starts. And, and I believe that starts at the signing of the peace agreement between Israel and the Antichrist. This is Matthew's or Daniel's 70th week. And I know you've been taught this in the church before. The mid-tribulational view in terms of the timing of the rapture, is that uh, the halfway point, that, that three and a half year point, uh, where you see the abomination of desolation, where the peace agreement is broken, that then the church will be raptured. The post-tribulation uh, view says that the, the church will go through the entirety of the tribulation period, that's seven years, and then the, the, the rapture and the, and the second coming of the parousia, the return of our Lord, are really a simultaneous event. And absolutely, I think that's the weakest of, of these in terms of scriptural argument with a shadow of a doubt. We also have the pre-wrath view that says that the church won't go through the wrath of God, but there's a debate over the timing of what is the wrath of God and what is the day of the Lord. Now, that's not a view that I hold to, and there are reasons for that. I have looked at it. There, there are reasons for that, and, and um, tonight it's not for me to go and um, get into all these views. I am going to present tonight why I believe personally in a pre tribulational rapture. You've got to do your study and come to your own conclusion on it. But this is why I believe, this is a pre tribulational rapture, uh, rapture um, view that I, I hold to personally, <laughs> that, that we are in the church age now and that we will go through the church age and at the end of the church age, it's marked by the rapture, the, 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 the plucking away, the snatching of the church, the body of Christ. We, we go to heaven um, John 14 is, 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 a, is a, a verse that we would use in conjunction with that. I go and prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. And then the tribulation period starts. Now I don't, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Is that when you have a chart up there and you have a chart on the wall. You, you almost think that these things have to be uh, consecutive. Like on a Friday night we're raptured on a Saturday the tribulation, of the 70th week of Daniel begins, um, but Church don't 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 do the justice. Don't do it justice because um, I I believe there's probably personally about three three odd years uh, personally in terms of uh, that potentially that might be in there as a gap between when the 70th week starts. But what I am absolutely certain of is that the, the Church age ends with the rapture of the Church. Wherever you put that, the Church age ends at the rapture. Of the church, so there there, there can be a gap there because the rapture as we're going to see is a signless event. We don't need any of this other stuff. The tribulation I really believe is God's program with Israel, and so the church, you know, it's not like we're we're waiting or this thing has to happen or that thing has to happen for the rapture. I believe in the imminency of the rapture, and we'll see that as we go through. So let's let's go through why i believe in a pre-tribulation rapture as quickly and as simply as possible and, and i understand that this can this can be you know something that we could delve into for a while because it is a compound argument but here's a helpful thing for me and this is this is a acrostic and it's borrowed from dr thomas ace and it's very useful for me in terms of the kind of principles that lead me to hold to a pre rapture of the church. So there you go. I'm going to give you pre-trib is the acrostic. And then I'm going to detail why the little points and how it, it helps me to get to the point that I'm at. And again, you know, study these things out for yourself. Here's the first thing. The place of the church in Revelation. Now, again, in some of these views, there, there, there can be some um, different arguments around. Just because the, the church isn't mentioned, well, there are saints mentioned. That's what they'll say. So the church, you know, isn't there. But here, honestly, when you look into the book of Revelation, and as we've done, we've gone through the first three chapters, uh, the Greek word for church, ecclesia, in the first three chapters, of there, there's uh, specifically 20 times in the book of Revelation the word ecclesia is used, 20 times. 19 of those times we've already had up to chapter 3. So again, as we've looked in chapter 2 and 3, the letters to the churches, we've had 19 of the 20 occurrences. The 20th occurrence doesn't happen until you get to the end of the book of uh, Revelation in Revelation 22. So turn there, if you will. Revelation 22 and verse 16 says, I have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So that's the outside of Revelation chapters uh, 1, 2, and 3. The next occurrence of that word Ecclesia appears here in Revelation 22. Now there is an inference to the church in Revelation 19. If you want to turn there, Revelation 19 verse uh, 7. So this is the marriage of the Lamb. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. This is the next reference to uh, the church as the, as the bride of Christ. Some will say Jerusalem is the bride of Christ but really I believe that the church is the bride of Christ. It says, the marriage of the Lamb has come and the wife hath made herself ready. Ready. How has the wife made herself ready? This is June During the uh, wedding ceremony of the Lamb, the the church has been purified, glorified, as it were, ready as a spotless and chaste virgin for her groom. She hasn't come off the battlefield. she come off the beauty field. I don't know if the beauty field is a word, but there you go. You've, You've had it. So, you know, here's the thing. For me... And again, people will say the word saint is used, but saint means separated one, and uh, there are those that are saved during tribulation, tribulation saints. But actually, in reference to the church particularly, there's nothing for, for the majority of the rest of this now and, and all the references and things that we'll point back to bring us to things that bring Israel readily in focus. Because it is the time of Jacob's trouble. There is no doubt about that. And Israel is in focus. God is picking up with Israel. This is Daniel's 70th week. Daniel's 70 weeks have nothing to do with the church. Nothing to do with them at all, except for the fact that The clock has been stopped at the 69th week. Joel's prophecy comes in and and smashes that, separates it apart. The clock is stopped for Israel until you get to the 70th week and God hits his hand on the prophetic time clock for his elect people, Israel. So one of the things that brings me to the place where I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture is P, the place of the church in Revelation. I don't see it there after and again i think you get into difficulties when you start to place the church saints into revelation chapter 6 when you start to place the church saints into uh taking the mark of the beast and stuff like that you start to mess with eternal security there are other doctrines here that start to to get tweaked and 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 and, uh uh, twisted a little bit when you take it to its fullest conclusion so p place of the church in, in revelation r rapture versus return so again you know here's the thing that really really the pre-tribulational view and, and possibly the pre-wrath view what will, will harmonize um and, and maybe the mid-trib but certainly not the post-tribulational view it can never harmonize the difference between these two events and they are different so here's um a slide and again if you want me to send this to you i can but these passages uh w- you know, are referencing a rapture type event on the left, and there are, there are a lot of them. On the right hand side, you have references that reference a second common passages. So you've all these passages. And if you're of a post tribulational viewpoint, then you will mesh these two together into one event. You have to. You have to. But when you look at these and you, you unpack them out, and again, we're, we're not doing this, I'm just presenting why I, I stand in this position is that it's very clear to me from a simple, logical reading of these passages that they're, they're, they're two distinct events that are being talked about. And, oh, yes. So you know, here's the contrast in events of, of, of the second coming. So, number one, when you look at these passages, what you'll pull out and start to see, and, I, and, and we'll see it on the screen there, is at the rapture, Christ comes in the air for his own. At the, at the return of Christ, we'll call it that, Christ comes with his own to the earth. When you, when you, when you look through it, it's, it's very clear. It's very clear. Number two, uh, the rapture a translation of all Christians. At, at, at the glorious appearing, no one has translated. It's not a translation resurrection event. It's not what's happening there. Uh, the Lord's coming to set up his kingdom. Uh, number three, Christians taken take to their father's house. John 14. Be not troubled. I go and prepare a place for you. Um, the resurrected saints do not see their, their father's house. Uh, number four, no judgment on earth at the rapture. Uh, number and, and the glorious appearing, there is Christ judges the inhabitants of the earth. So again, you know, I can send you these sheets, and you can see, um, you know, the rapture is a time of joy. This glorious appearing. Um, for, for those that are under that judgment it 's not a time of joy it 's a time of mourning for Israel. They will look upon him whom they have pierced. So these two events they 're contrasting, and you see the contrast when you uh, go through it and the only way really to resolve these things is in a rapture uh, event that takes place apart from the return of Christ to set up his kingdom. That's the only way you can harmonize these two. No matter where you put that, that rapture, they have to be separate events. There has to be a time gap between the two. And that's one of the other points that I'm going to make this evening. Uh, John Volford, who is a, a, a tremendous commentator on these things, says this. He says, contrast should make it evident that the translation of the church is an event quite different in character and time from the return of the Lord to establish his kingdom and confirms the conclusion that the translation takes place before the tribulation. So, you know, we see in these contrasts, and again, I'll put this on the WhatsApp thing uh, if you want to have a look at these in your own time. When you just go through it, you have to come to the conclusion that they're different events. Um, It's just a simple study of Scripture will bring you to that that place where you will see that these are two events. Where you place the timing of these two events may change, but you will see a gap in between them. They're not the same. They're separate, and that's the main thing. Next one then, E. So we're doing pre. So we have place of the church in Revelation. We have rapture versus return. uh, Exemption from divine wrath. Um, That's our, our next one. So again... When we get into Revelation, we're going to get into this as we go on. You know, it's not a pretty time in Earth's history. Uh, Turn to Revelation chapter number 6 and verse 8. Revelation 6 and and verse 8. We have the judgments that will come the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bull judgments. These are telescopic in nature. Uh, one set of judgments comes out of the other I believe and in just two of the 19 judgments in just two of the 19th judgments one half of the earth's population will perish according to the word of God it's like you ain't saying nothing like this you say well the flood the flood you know that was a traumatic event there was only eight souls saved and I absolutely agree with that But the flood in its nature of judgment was merciful. It was merciful. It was quick. It wasn't, you know, trickles of water over millions of years. It was an instantaneous death sentence for sinners that was merciful. It was merciful. This is long. It's drawn out. It's It's a time that has never been seen before. Revelation 6, verse 8. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. That's in the fourth seal judgment. Revelation chapter 9. Have a look at that. Verse 18. It says, by these three was the third part of men killed by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. So one third here of what's left will, will perish. Turn to Revelation chapter 16. The entire environment of the planet will be uh, changed, destroyed, as it were. Um, the, the catastrophic dev- devastation that's pictured here it is indeed just absolutely phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Revelation 16, verse number 19. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And the men, and there fell upon men great hail out of heaven, every stone about the, a weight of talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because the plague thereof was exceeding great. It says, every island fled away. The mountains were not found. There's topological chain because of what's going on at a cosmic level. We'll see this. There's a shaking of the star. You know, the moon, it's said, and even this planet, if, if, if there, this planet's to be knocked off its axis by even a, a small amount, it would have catastrophic changes to the environment that we live in. And this is what's going on here. The world is being shook like never before. Now, the Bible does promise in several places that we are exempt from the coming wrath of God. And this is where those of a pre-wrath tribulational viewpoint will will differ on where we see the wrath of God and where the wrath of God starts. But what we won't differ on is that the church is exempt from the wrath of God. and. You know, we see this in the Bible. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 5 9. You know these passages. I don't need to, to go through these too much and spend too much time on it because I want to get through this tonight. 1 Thessalonians 5 9 For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I think one of the greatest, simplest, simplest um, illustrations of, of, of this whole concept is that we are clearly, the Apostle Paul says, we're ambassadors for Christ. When you see ambassadors in the role that they provide, the first thing that's happened when countries go to war is the ambassadors are are pulled out. The Americans uh, did this after Pearl Harbor. First thing they did after Pearl Harbor when they knew they were going to go and decimate the, the, the Japanese is that they pulled all their ambassadors out. That's what they do. That's what governments do. Because you don't war on your own. And that's the concept that we take forward, that we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And and absolutely, I I believe this uh, uh, to be true, that the Bible clearly states that believers will not face the wrath of God. I believe that the the body of Christ took the wrath of God once on Calvary's cross. We're going to think about this in, in the coming weeks. The body of Christ will never take the wrath of God again because it was paid in full once, for all, forever. So, exemption from divine wrath. <coughs> Moving on to our next uh, letter. T, time gap between the rapture and the second coming. I couldn't find anything for the little dash, so I've had to go to T. <laughs> right, so, pre-trib, uh, time gap between the rapture and the second coming. What, what do I mean by this? Again, this helps us to distinguish these events as two. Um, let's, let's turn to uh, Matthew 25. Here's, here's an example. There has to be some time between these two events you may differ on how much time but there has to be some time because there are events that happen and if the rapture and the return of Christ are the same event then there's an absolute mess of confusion when you're dealing with certain passages of scripture so Matthew 25 and again this is Matthew 13 Matthew 24 and 25 I would say are probably in terms of eschatology and and prophecy are some of the most abused portions of scripture and and misinterpreted portions of scripture but nevertheless when we get to Matthew 25 verse 31 we have the judgment of um, the sheep and the goats And that's from verse 31 all the way down to verse 46. And, you know, this is clearly teaching that the Lord, when he returns to set up his kingdom, he judges the sheep and the goats, the, the nations, and he separates those that are believers and those that are not. Those that have done good to Israel and those that haven't. And those that haven't are taken, they're taken to judgment. That's what Matthew 25 deals with. It's not being taken to safety, it's been taken to judgment contextually. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that really. But um, the point of, of the matter is that uh, the Lord has set up his kingdom. And he is judging those believers that are on the earth at that time and those that are not. Those that are not are taken to, to judgment, to be reserved for the final judgment. Those that are believers that are on the earth go into the millennial kingdom. So, if we put that as a concept, and that's what it it teaches here, if you are here tonight and you believe in a post tribulational rapture, that the rapture and the return of Christ are really the same event, the question I want to ask you is, if this is at the end of the tribulation and Christ is back on earth, and the rapture is Christ coming for his own and we meet him in the air, as 1 Thessalonians says. Now, the pre-tribulational rapture position I take is that when that event happens, we then go to be with the Lord in heaven until he returns with us to take his kingdom. The post-tribulational rapture says that we go to meet the Lord in the air, he takes all his own, and then we come back. The question is, if the Lord raptures his own, who then is being judged at the judgment of the sheep and the goats. There has to be unbelievers on earth. But if the Lord's come and he's raptured all the believers. And then he comes back. Who's, who's being judged? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. So there, there are other things. We could look at the judgment seat of Christ. Etc. But these things point us to the fact that there's a gap between the rapture. And the second coming. And I believe the pre-tribulational rapture best fits uh, across that gap. So. T. R. Removal of the restrainer. Uh, let's turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Verse 3. Now, again, there's some debate over what this falling away means, but regardless, let's read. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, yet with you I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So he, here in Second Thessalonians, and and really in a kind of uh, nut, nutshell, it takes us from the present age all the way through to eternity, and you know the present age, the age before the rapture—that's the age we live in now. That's why we call it the present age. Um, it's the age of restraint. Would you believe that we live in an age of restraint? This is. God restraining evil and wickedness. Genesis 6, the the thoughts and intents of man's heart was evil continually. We live in in the church age where God has the Holy Spirit working as a restrainer. But not only the Holy Spirit, the church. Because the Holy Spirit's ministry. The Holy Spirit has always ministered. From creation to the cross to the consummation, the Holy Spirit will minister. But his ministry in this age is unique because we look in Old Testament times, we look at creation and the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. We look at um, the Old Testament prophets that the Holy Spirit was upon for a time. We move to the church age and, and the Lord Jesus explains uh, in, in John's Gospel that there's a change, that the Holy Spirit will come, the Comforter will come and the Holy Spirit then indwell. So when you're born again, you are filled with the Spirit, and that's a permanent indwelling of the Spirit. That's a blessing. And the Holy Spirit, through the church, and through his omnipotence, because he is God, restraineth evil. Not just the Holy Spirit, not just the church, but the Holy Spirit and the church. So there's a corporate thing and there's an individual thing going on there. Because the church is, is a pillar, pillar and, and, and salt. They're light. They're a pillar of truth. So, you know, even we look in a world today that is being restrained by the work of the Holy Spirit, keeping evil back. This is the present age. But also through the body of Christ. We are a, a, an agent of restraint as we live our gospel lives in this world. Now, Our influence is waning. It is. We can see that. But nevertheless, no matter how bad it looks now, when the church is gone, it's been taken away, he that letteth will let, there's a a, a removal of that restraint, not a removal of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't cease to exist. But the work that he's doing is changing. And he steps back, the church is removed. And again, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think it's bad now? No. Wait till you see what it's to like. When the Holy Spirit's ministry changes. When the church age ends and the the church is removed. And in Thessalonians we have that. We have the present age. We have the the tribulation age in there. And then we have the messianic age. The age to come. But, you know, again, I don't have the time to go into all this. Honest to goodness, it takes too long. And you have to do the study for yourself and look at you know, uh, the Holy Spirit and do a study in the Holy Spirit and, and do a uh, study on the Spirit in 2 Thessalonians there. But again, I'm pointing you to why I believe in a pre-tribulational uh, rapture. And we are going through the book of Revelation, but we have to kind of move it on at, at some pace. Otherwise, we will literally be here until the return of the Lord And we may not have made it through. And while it is important, there are other things that we need to think about in the word of God. Um, So when the rapture occurs, the church, which is the, the indwelt people of God, with the spirit of God that are salt and light in the world, that the church is the pillar of truth and has the effect and influence on society, that is removed and the Holy Spirit that is holding back, The wickedness of man lets them go. This is the the concept in Romans. God lets them go to their reprobate man. And we get back to conditions of Genesis 6. We get back to conditions when God looked at the world and it grieved him because the heart of man is continuously wicked. And you'll see that in the book of Revelation. Because you've got to think to yourself, what is going on there? In that these judgments are being poured out and they're Horrific. But the rebellion of man is at an all time high. It's at an all time high. That even though God is pouring out his wrath upon the world, even though there can be no doubt that these are supernatural judgments, men are still shaking their fist at God. It's amazing. It's amazing. Church is gone. That ministry of the Holy Spirit. Changed. next one imminency again this is i think one of the strongest things and people will argue from different points of view and they will, will twist and say uh imminency, And there's a difference between imminency and expectancy and, and and we all expect the lord to return everybody that holds any position holds uh, expects the lord will return but the pre-tribulational uh, rapture of the church view is the strongest i believe that upholds this thought of the imminent return Now, in in English, we think about soon. The the rapture is not a soon event. It's an imminent event. There's an absolute difference in that. Soon means when you've said that, that it's going to happen closely in relation to that point where you've designated it starts. Imminency is not like that. It's impending. It can happen at any time. When you go to Israel, you always sense that there's an imminent invasion. Not soon but you can feel that it can happen at any time. And, and that's like the, the rapture. Um, so from the human perspective, eminency, uh, we, we just think soon as an event. And it may happen soon, but that's not a, an event that might be soon. It's an imminent event. It could happen at any time, absolutely. And, you know, we're in Thessalonians and, and the first letter to the Church of Thessalonians was the day with the fact that they thought they had missed the rapture. You know, it's not, I read so many times that, you know, any kind of rapture view is just a, a, a you know, it's, it's, it came along with Darby in the 1830s. And that's such a misrepresentation. That is a straw man argument. If anybody says that to you, you can know one thing. They have not looked at it. I'll tell you that now. They have not looked at it at all. You go back in the records and you will see it. It may have been a doctrine that was uh, lost or a teaching that was lost over church history, but so was justification by faith. <laughs> yeah. Nobody says that wasn't believed by the early church. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we have to, we have to stand and, and not fall for these straw men. But the rapture was an imminent event. Each and every believer lived with the imminency of, of Christ's return. And, you know, Re- Reynolds Charles says this, about uh, um, the imminency of the rapture. He says this, A person cannot legitimately say that an imminent event will happen soon. The term soon implies that an event must take place within a short time after a particular point in time specified or implied. By contrast, an imminent event may take place within a short time But it does not have to do so in order to be eminent. I hope you can see by now, eminent does not equal to soon. So eminency does not lose its power over time. Soon does. If I say to you, soon Newcastle are going to win the Premier League. Okay, we're playing now. I'm hoping that we're winning. If I say to you we're going to win soon... And in 15 years we haven't done it. My soon has lost its... If I say to you that it's imminent, it's going to happen at some point in some time. Don't know when, don't know where. It could happen in 500 years. And it happens. Imminency doesn't lose its power over time. Soon does. So the question people say is, does the New Testament teach imminency? Again, I think it does. There are scriptures I can give you. And again, I can't go through them all um, that that point to the fact that we are to look to the Lord's return. The Lord is at hand. We are to, uh, you know, look for the Lord's appearing, our blessed hope. And there is that urge from scripture to to look for the return of the Lord, to be uh, occupied till he comes. And I believe that coming is imminent. It's a signless event that could happen at any time. So we're not looking to world events, although world events can help us set the season, no doubt about that. But world events are not a determiner of when Christ will return. The determiner of when Christ will return, I want you to get this, is when the long suffering of the Lord is over. He'll decide when he returns. Not Putin, not the alliance of the North, the Lord will determine when he returns for his church. And that's when his long suffering and patience is over. When the door of the ark is shut, the church age is over, the Lord will return in his time. Final one then, we are nearly done. The blessed hope. Blessed hope. The Lord is indeed our blessed hope. It's not the Antichrist, it's not a peace agreement with Israel it's not it's not uh any of these things he is our blessed hope and and really when we think about his return for his church it it is to bring us hope john 14:6 says let not your heart be troubled don't be troubled uh titus 2:13 looking for that blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great god and our savior jesus Christ 1 Thessalonians four seventeen, the great verse that pictures that meeting of us with the Lord in the sky Paul concludes with the words wherefore comfort one another with these words it's a comfort not a concern for the believer the return of the Lord he's our blessed hope let him stay that way So, again, this is why I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. You need to do the study. You need to sort it out yourself and be uh, sorted in your own mind. Why? Number one, P, place of the church in Revelation. I just don't see the church until we get to the end of Revelation. I see it focusing on earth and the people on earth and primarily Israel. Number two, rapture versus return. I see those as two different events. When you compare all the passages, they can't be the same thing. It just—it does not make any shred of sense. And God is a God of order. You don't look at God and and, and go, what are you doing? You come down, we go up, you go down, up, down like a yo-yo. What's happening there? Who's being judged? You said you're going to judge those on earth that are uh, uh, sinners and saved. Well, if you've took them all up, it doesn't make sense. God's a God of order. Number three, exemption from divine wrath. No matter where you see the day of the Lord beginning or where you see uh, the wrath of of the Lord beginning, you will accept, if you take those views, that that the church is exempt from the divine wrath. Number four, a time gap between the rapture and the second coming. That's our T. Remember, there are things that need to happen that mean they're not a simultaneous event. They're a separated event number five the removal of the restrainer we'll see that you know the restraint of the church and the holy spirit has been lifted during this period and it's a time like uh, no other number six imminency that's our eye it's an event that can happen any time not soon but imminent i'd love it to happen now honest to goodness i would and and yes for the benefits of being in glory but also for the benefits of the unsaved, and you may be unsaved here tonight, so you can say, do you know what? He was right. (laughs) It was imminent. It was imminent. But listen, if it happens, you're done. I absolutely believe that too. And you know, you can't say, oh, that was right. You know, Lord, I believe you now. I think you've sinned away your day of grace. You've sinned away your day of grace. Now is the day of salvation. So pre-trib, that's why I'm pre-trib. Be blessed hope it's the lord jesus christ in his return not current events not world leaders although we can look to these things it's not vaccines not masks not anything like that it's the lord jesus christ when will he return for his church not when the world determines it but when he decides it when his long suffering is done when he decides it's time to take the body away to call my ambassadors home and to pour out my wrath upon the unbelieving world and start that time clock on Daniel's 70th week once again and pick up his program with Israel. Let's pray.